so much for joining us today on episode number 167 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So when it comes to running, we all want to be strong and injury resistant. So today we are going to be talking about one of the most important joints that we need to focus on as runners, and that is the hips. We're going to be talking all about hip stability and mobility today and why you need both. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so before we want before we get started today, we just wanted to remind you all about our awesome virtual race that we've got going on at the end of the year to knock out 2020 and Welcome in 2021. Right, the crowd's starting to form for it, which is nice. It is. It's it's really awesome. If you haven't signed up yet, you should totally join us. If you go to realliferunners.com forward slash race, you can find out more information. Registration right now is only $10. Plus, you can get 10% off all swag if you want a shirt, if you want a custom medal. You can get 10% off all of that in the month of November with the code IRUNMYLIFE. And the beautiful thing about this race is that not only are you going to be doing something good for yourself by giving yourself a goal and something to train for, you are also going to be helping other people in the process. Right, because we've got a fantastic charity that the money is going to help out. Can you explain a little on the charity? Sure. It's called the Girls Gotta Run Foundation, and basically what they do is they empower girls and women in Ethiopia through running programs, education, and entrepreneurship programs. They help them with all sorts of things. There's more information on the website. So if you are curious about the Girls Gotta Run Foundation that is going to be the benefactors of the donations from the race and a portion of the race proceeds as well, again, realliferunners.com forward slash race. Um, We would love for everyone to register and, and support the podcast and support the charity that we're um, you know, working for here to try to raise some money for them too. Plus, you get to end the year out nice. You've got a goal. You put yeah. a race on the calendar. There's a sweet shirt that if you, if you want the shirt, it's it is fantastic. Cool. Yeah, so join us, guys. Like, you know, we, we put out this podcast for you every week, and this is just one way that you can help show some support for the podcast and then also help us to raise some money for some people that really need it, that can really benefit from that. So, again, that's realliferunners.com forward slash race. So come on and sign up and join us. So this week, we're going to be talking about the hip. All right. All of us as runners, whenever we go out and run, whatever your why is for running, whether or not you want to get faster, you want to be able to run longer, you just want to stay in shape and feel good and feel strong, whatever it is, you need to run in order to be able to do that. Yes. And I mean, this one, you kind of wrote something great for the uh, the intro that says that what you need to do is really carefully build up your running foundation. And a lot of runners, you tell them running foundation, they're like, yes, I know. I got to build up my base mileage. And that's not what we're covering today. We're talking about your actual physical foundation, which isn't your feet. It's more rooted in your hips and, right. and the muscles around that area. Right. I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into your running foundation. And this is one of the biggest areas. Like I was thinking about it today and the importance of, of the hips and why I wanted to focus on this. And when I when it comes down to it, I believe that the hips are really one of the most important joints that we need to focus on as runners. Like if I had to choose one joint that was quote unquote the most important joint that we should be focusing on as runners, it would be the hip joint. Okay. Like obviously there's a lot of joints involved in running. So running is not just one joint, but the hip is absolutely critical. 
I, what are you laughing at? I'm just picturing the like the award ceremony for this of like all the different joints up on like the the three tiered <laughs> award ceremony. You've got like random limbs floating in the like. How do you put a medal around it? Because there's not a neck; it's your hip. There is actually a neck in the hip joint. Oh, oh dang it! Yeah, the the femur does have a. The, there's the neck of the femur. So the actually yes, the hip joint, the the femur would be the perfect bone to put the medal around. Man, I can't go up against the doctor with the anatomy <laughs> the lesson little, here. The little medal around the fem- femoral neck. Perfect. <laughs> so yes, so the hips are super important okay a lot of people think it's the knees or the ankles or the feet I would argue it's the hips because I think that a lot of problems that are caused in other joints and other areas of the body can be fixed if we address the hips so there's two main areas that we need to address when we think about the hip joint really the body in general but today we're just talking about the hips and we're just focusing in a lot on this And those two areas are stability and mobility. So we're going to talk about what is the difference between those and why we need each one. So let's start with stability first. Okay, stability, more like the actual strength and and the rigidity of it, like how it wants to actually not move is kind of trying to hold everything in place. It needs to be a stable surface. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to be having limbs fly all over the place. You've seen these people running down the street and they look like they're just gliding along. There's no wasted motion. If you've ever watched the lead pack of like a, you know, one of the the world major marathons, there's no wasted motion Mm -hmm. on. That is remarkably stable. Yeah, it's very, it's beautiful to watch. But like Kevin said, that means everything is just like tight and it's just strong and there's no excess movement. Now, on the other hand, we have mobility. Now, mobility means that you are getting the correct range of motion in your joints. Your joints are are mobile, which means they move correctly. They move fluidly. They kind of roll and glide and slide. There's no grinding. There's no like catching. There's just very fluid motion in the joint. Which you also see out of like the elite runners is mm-hmm. there's no there's no hitch in their giddy up, if you will. Like everything <laughs> looks just so unbelievably fluid. Nothing's wasted and the, everything is just, I mean, it it looks like water flowing, but it's just legs churning along at like mm-hmm. four, four and a half minute paces. They crank Un- through 20 yeah. some miles. Unreal, unreal. So you, we really need both. We need both a stable foundation. We need that stability, but we also need mobility, which is so that our joints will go through the proper range of motion that they need to go through for us to perform running or perform whatever given motion we're trying to do. Okay, so let's start off with some basic hip anatomy. And this is going to be pretty, you know, pretty quick here so the hip is a ball and socket joint so I always kind of make like a, a cup like um, the shape of a C with one hand and then I make a fist in the other hand and if you replace the fist into that C that's basically the anatomy of the hip joint the ball kind of goes in into that socket and then there's a hip capsule that kind of deepens the socket to make sure that that um, the head of the femur stays inside that socket so the hip is and anatomically, pretty much one of the most stable joints in the entire body because it just is, it fits perfectly together. Okay, when you say that there's the extra stuff to make it fit deeper, is that like if the hand that was making the letter C had like really long fingernails? Like that's where the extra part goes? Yeah, I mean, probably not fingernails, but yeah, like it would extend out. It would extend the length of your fingers. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And it would just like it encapsulates it. It's a capsule. Give it a 
bigger hug. You give it a bigger hug. Well, because the so the 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 socket is actually that's called the acetabulum, and that's actually Whoa. part of the pelvis. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so the, they they fit nicely on each other, but it's just kind of like a um, like a crater. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and then the capsule is, is the like connective tissue that actually comes over the head of the femur and kind of like holds it in place. Holds it, it into, into the that socket crater. actually. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Okay. So it's a ball and socket joint. So because it's a ball, like there are other joints that are called hinge joints that only have a couple ranges of motion, but because it's a ball and socket, if you think about, you know, any sort of ball, like in a, in a socket like that, it can roll, it can glide, it can slide, it can move in a lot of different directions it's not a full 360 degrees obviously but there is a lot of motion in the hip joint and there are actually six full planes of motion plus everything kind of in between so there's flexion and extension which is moving your leg forward into flexion or backwards into extension there's external rotation and internal rotation which is like bringing your toes in or pointing your toes out. Okay. And then there's abduction and adduction, which is bringing your leg out to the side or like across the other leg. Yes. Those are the two that I always get backwards because they sound so close. Mm. I know that it's swinging your leg in and swinging your leg out. I just always get them backwards of which right. one's which. Right. So th- so that's, you know, there's a lot going on in the hip joint, okay? Um, and we need fluid motion in all directions and strength in all directions. But sometimes, like, there are some that are a little bit more important than others be- in for runners, right? For the running motion that we can focus on today. Right. There's also some that are totally neglected by runners as though they're not important. Right. But you do, in fact, need some strength and mobility in all six. There are some more that are, are, are more, I don't know, vital to running, but all six of them can't be ignored. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're totally right there. So when we start to think about um, stability and mobility and these kinds of things, why are we even thinking about this? And the answer is really pain. Yes, I know. This is this is the connection that I have to this episode very, very much because <laughs> the answer is pain. The answer is I would like to run for a long time and I would like to run fast and lots of miles and get faster and I don't want it to hurt. Right. So what do I need to do with my hip so that I can keep doing these other things mm-hmm. to make sure that I can run pain-free? Right. And the thing that I really want everyone, like all of our listeners, what I want you to hear right now is that hip stability and mobility is important, not just for people that are experiencing hip pain. It's for people that are experiencing any kind of pain. Like so many of the pains that runners experience can be linked back to the hip in some way. Like, and I found this not only with runners, but just all of the patients that I have. Like a lot of times I treat the hip joint in so many patients that it seems unrelated, but it's really not. Yeah. I mean, that's when you first started treating me mm-hmm. back when you were actually in PT school still, you fixed my knee pain that I'd had for years by strengthening my hip. Right. And so knee pain is a very common area of pain where I always go to the hip whenever I have a patient with knee pain. Well, it's just, it's the next joint down. So you can kind of see how if the hip is not doing quite what it needs to do, then the next joint one far, one, one removed would have 
some issues, mm-hmm. but you can get the same issues if you have issues in your ankle. It's like, well, that's kind of far from the hip. Yes, but it could be issues in the hip or lower back. If you start going from the hip and then yep. moving up, it connects to a whole bunch of areas. Totally. And it, it's kind of that chicken and the egg question is, is it the cause or the effect, right? Like is the hip joint the, the co- what's causing the pain in the knee or is it the knee pain that's causing limitations in the hip? Like, and sometimes it's hard to kind of tease that out, but a lot of times I think that it's, it's likely both, but most often I think that either weakness or lack of mobility is the culprit that leads to the pain in other areas, especially in the knee. It seems really likely that if you kind of take care of of some of the weakness. And I mean, you've done these like simple tests to figure out if you've got major weakness in the area. And then you're like, oh, well, the hips are super, super weak. Let's try strengthening those. And then it's, it's a clear way to, to take care of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you do single leg, single leg squat, and it's mm-hmm. going to highlight all sorts of weakness. In it, the it, yeah, that highlights a lot of different things. So the other thing I want to point out is that a lot of times tightness, because like a lot of people think that they need to stretch, right? This is one of the big things that we hear from runners like, how do I stretch better? Like I just need to stretch more because they can feel tightness, right? It's it's, it's a lot of times it's hard to feel weakness because your body makes up for it. Weakness is very easily masked by your body. Your body is so smart. So when you have a muscle that's weak, other muscles in that area kick in to kind of make up, pick up the slack of that muscle that's not doing its job. Right. So then you feel like you've got tightness because you've got muscles that are doing jobs that they're not supposed to. So they are tight. They're tight, they're overworked, and they're tired. Correct. So they're overworked, but they're also tight because that your muscles will tighten to try to stabilize the joint because the muscle is not stable, doing its job to stabilize it, right? So if you have a weak muscle that's supposed to be stabilizing that joint and it's not doing it, then the things around the joint just tighten up to try to create that basically fake stability. Oh, that makes sense. So it's sort of like uh, instead of instead of using the muscle correctly, mm-hmm. let's just wrap a whole lot of rubber bands around it and just pretend as though that's going to keep everything stable. You got it. Yeah. So, so that's a lot of times when people feel like they're tight or there is tightness, you know, a lot of times there actually is tightness in that area. It's a result of weakness in my experience. Like, so I believe, and I've found in a lot of my practice that if I can strengthen the weak muscles, we don't really need to do as much stretching because the muscles will naturally start to relax themselves and actually get out of that spasm cycle if we strengthen the muscle that was supposed to be doing its job all along. Right, because again, this goes back to the body is remarkably intelligent. So if it needs extra stability and the muscle is not providing it, it'll find a way to do it. Once the muscle is providing the stability, it'll take away the part that it didn't need in the first place. Mm -hmm. So if you have been suffering with knee pain or lower back pain, um, like Kevin said, ankle pain, foot pain, that all of it can really be related to the hip in some way, but especially the lower back and the knee. Because like he said, that's basically one joint down and one joint up, like above, right above the hip and right below the hip. Um, and we're going to go into a little bit more details about why that might be happening as we go through the 
this episode. All right. So the the major two topics here were stability and mobility. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to start with stability um, and then eventually we'll get into mobility and we'll probably get a re-highlight about the difference between mobility and flexibility and why stretching. Hopefully by the end of the episode, you're not thinking, wow, my hip hurts. I'm just going to do a whole lot of stretching. Maybe that's that might be a solid takeaway also. But let's start with stability of... Um, one of your favorite lines about why you need to make sure that you're strengthening all of the muscles in and around the core. Mm-hmm. Can you can you give us? No, a, you can say. I it. get to say you it. You get to say oh, it. Oh, sweet! Proximal stability for distal mobility. Now, do you know what it means? Yes, <laughs> yes. You need the you need all of your core, which is every part of your body that's not a limb. All of your core needs to be strong so that your limbs can move the way that they're supposed to move. Exactly. So proximal means like near the center, right? So like. Kevin said it's the core, but we consider the core everything in the trunk. So shoulders, back, stomach muscles, and hips. Um, and that's your that's your trunk. That that's what needs to be stable so that your limbs, your arms, and your legs can move fluidly. Because if you have a very weak trunk, your limbs aren't gonna be able to move properly. So we like to liken this to a tree, right? So a tree trunk with deep roots is very stable. So that is going to allow the branches to grow longer and even sway in the wind without the tree just toppling over completely, right? So if you think of the wind, that's the external forces that we're placing on the body. So if we if the tree can just kind of sway and in the wind and the wind will just go through the branches and the leaves and it doesn't affect the tree itself but if that tree doesn't have deep roots roots and if it's not stable you know the smallest breeze that comes through it can just topple the whole tree right or if the branches you know, you've got all sorts of strength built up in the branch, but it's not well connected to the trunk. Like it's been real windy here lately. Mm -hmm. And right outside of my classroom, there's a big tree, big tree, deep roots, solid stuff. It was blowing wind the other day and a giant branch just snapped off in the Mm -hmm. middle of class. And it was a big branch and it's a big giant tree. It's the problem is the connection between branch and tree, which is, you know, your the hip, hip joint, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's your hip. It's where leg meets trunk. That was where the issue was. And so even though the branch was big and strong and the trunk was big and strong, it was the connection between the two that caused the issue. And suddenly there's a big giant branch laying on the ground. Perfect. That was a perfect analogy. So one of the main stabilizers of the the trunk and the hip and the lower leg like kevin said right because we need that hip to stabilize the 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 hip joint the muscles of the hip need to stabilize it so that you can have um a stable lower leg as you're running one of the main stabilizers is called the gluteus medius so basically this muscle is located on the outside of the hip kind of like to towards the back okay so it's kind of outside which is like the lateral like if you were to put your hands right on the outsides of your hips you're probably going to have your hands on your gluteus medius if you put your hands in your back pocket Mm -hmm. the center of your palm will be on your glute med 
Yeah, kind of. Uh-huh. Depending on where your pockets are, depending on how baggy your jeans are. Well, I mean, don't reach all the way to the bottom of your pockets. <laughs> yeah. Now you're now you're touching your hamstrings. Right. But like, you know, if you just kind of like prop them, you kind of like hang your thumbs out of your pockets. You're basically holding your glute meat on both sides. Okay. So what that does is it helps to keep your pelvis level. So the glute meat is actually a hip abductor and also aids in external rotation of the hip. But that's not how it exactly works in running because running is a straight plane motion. So it's glute meat's job to bring your leg out to the side, which is called abduction. So if you're standing and you just kick your leg straight out to the side, that's one of the jobs of glute med. But the main job is to help keep our pelvis level while we're walking and running. So if you can kind of think about it, it's like holding on to the pelvis and your pelvis is kind of like a tabletop. So when you take a step forward with one side, the all of your weight is on so let's say you're going to take a step forward with your right leg okay all of your weight is now on your left leg so the gluteus medius on the left has to fire to keep that tabletop level and if it doesn't then that tabletop like your pelvis will kind of tilt over towards the right because the right leg is up in the air so there's nothing stabilizing it right there right so when you run you are perpetually standing on one leg right first you're standing on your left and it's hopping it's hopping from your left leg to the right leg really really quickly well if you picture an actual table and you just knock out all of the legs on the right side of the table it's going to fall to the floor on the right side it's the glute medius that holds really really tight like you can try this with like a lightweight chair if you just hold on the the leg on the the left side of the table it doesn't matter if you have the legs on the right side but it's really really hard to support the table by holding it right at the top that's what the glute medius does every single step Mm -hmm. for your entire run right so when it's strong and doing its job it helps to reduce the excessive motion in the hips and trunk so if it's strong and doing its job it keeps that those hips level and your hips aren't like flopping up and down they're just gently rotating forward and back which is what your pelvis should do when you're running so that helps to conserve energy which means you have more energy to go faster and longer if your gluteus medius is strong and doing what it's supposed to do it also helps to reduce forces on your lower back your knees and your hips which then leads to decreased pain and the improved like bone health and longevity of like your bones and and joints in your body when that muscle is strong especially the bones that are all connecting right in and around the hips, Mm -hmm. which is really, really helpful when you run because you put a lot of pounding on those bones. So it's really helpful that the supportive muscle is helping to increase the strength of the bones themselves Mm -hmm. because you want that muscle strong, but you also want the bones, the foundation inside of it to be nice and strong as well. Right. So when we talk about hip stability, we talk a lot about gluteus medius. And if you just strengthen glute med, you are probably going to notice an improvement in pain, an improvement in efficiency, an improvement in form. Like there's a lot because a lot of runners have weakness in glute med. That was my big issue Mm -hmm. is I couldn't actually make it fire. Yeah. Like I remember years and years ago, I could not (laughs) actually make the muscle fire. I was laying on my side and trying to lift my knee up and I couldn't activate the right thing. I could do it. I could make the actual exercise that you wanted me to do because it was like sideline Leg lifts. Uh, leg lifts. Mm-hmm. And I could totally lift my leg, but I wasn't using the correct muscle. You were using your hip flexors because right. your glute med was too weak. I had massively overcompensated, right. was using the wrong muscles. I was still doing the motion, but you're like, no, 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 don't do it with that muscle. Make this thing work. And I'm like, I, 
I don't have a muscle there. There's there's nothing there to work. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the issues that we see is that when people have underactive gluteus medius or weakness in their gluteus medius, then the hip flexors take over. And that just leads to tightness and pain. And like I said, those muscles are doing jobs that they're not supposed to be doing and that can lead to problems. Yeah, we'll re-highlight that in a second here when we get down to hip flexors. Right. But before we get to the big muscle inside of the body, gluteus maximus. This mm-hmm. is your power muscle. Yes. Yeah, the glute max is your power producer. So the main job of glute max is to uh, extend the hip, which means you, you bring your leg behind you when you run, okay, or when you're walking or just standing. That's what the job of the glute max is. So if you were to just stand and kick your leg straight back, that's going to be a glute max activity. So the glute max is super important, and there's been a lot of research done lately about underactive glute max, and you have to activate your glutes and all these different things, and there that's where a lot of, like, the running research has been over the last decade. Um in addition to some other things, of course. But it is showing that the glute max is extremely important for us as runners. And for a lot of us, it's weaker than it needs to be. Much weaker than it needs to be because we just, I mean, like you said, you have to activate the glutes and that, like that's kind of like the, the term right now. Yeah. But it's it's not entirely wrong because people have like an underused glute. Like mm-hmm. its job is to really propel you forward. Like as you take a step and you push off the ground, you should be using your glute max to actually push off and take this powerful stride forward. And instead, people are activating other muscles to do it, which is... One, it's making you slower. It's making you more tired. It's making you less efficient. Just mm-hmm. use the muscles for the jobs that they're actually supposed to do, right. and you're going to be able to move with the most efficiency. Right. And the problem, and there are some PTs and other like professions out there that say, of course, like, what are you talking about? Activating the glutes. Your glutes are active. You know, it's more of a weakness, or it's this or that. So there is a little bit of like rhetoric around it, and a little back and forth, but. In general, like runners probably should be doing some some glute strengthening exercises because the problem that we're seeing is the lifestyle that so many of us lead. Like our lifestyle is more sedentary. So what happens is we are sitting all day long. So we're not really using our glutes other than as a big cushion. And then what <laughs> happens is when we're sitting all day long, our legs are bent and our hip, we're, our hips are in a flex position. So our hip flexors are then... Um, shortened and they become tighter. So then what happens is the tightness in the hip flexors means that when we're out running or walking, we're not getting full range of motion. We're not fully extending our hip. So then those hip muscles, the glute max gets weaker. So because of sitting all day long and the tightening of the hip flexors that limits our backwards motion because they're to- too tight in the front. Right. It's like if we were just generally active all day long and didn't have this tightness in the front, then when you go off and run, then yes, you would just automatically activate glutes. You As you run, it would be more powerful. You'd mm-hmm. kick back behind you. You'd kick up higher behind you. It would just be your more natural running motion. But because you probably, especially if you sit a lot during the day, are really tight through the front you're too busy spending your run trying to not hurt the front of your legs Mm -hmm. so you chop and shorten your stride because you're super tight in the front so you're not kicking back behind because it causes the front of your hips to feel bad you're not stepping out powerfully in front because if you do you have to balance it with your other leg kicking back behind because your whole body has to balance in all directions and so 
the glute never really has to do its job right because it it can't it's it your limited range of motion is preventing it from doing its job right so like you said either you shorten up your stride or the other thing that common thing people do is that they will bend forward at the waist because those hip flexors are tight so you're trying to keep them in that shortened position because it doesn't feel good when they get overstretched and this puts more pressure on your lower back both the bending over puts more pressure on your lower back and actually the tightness in your hip flexors puts more pressure on your lower back because one of your main hip flexors, your iliopsoas, actually um, connects to your lumbar spine. Like the lower vertebrae of the back, like the psoas major, attaches to the lower spine. So when that is tight, it's literally pulling your spine forward, right? And then you've got the that also in combination with the tightness in the hip, the other hip flexors, plus the weakness in the glutes, and that can lead to lower back pain, right? So if your glute max is not doing its job, you're placing more strain on the lower back, um, not only because of the tightness in the hip flexors and all of that, but your lower muscles are then trying to kick in to help stabilize what's going on in the back, and then also to help kind of you know, stabilize the pelvis and then propel you know try to create some power to propel us forward like it's just this whole mess that kind of starts to be this vicious cycle essentially no one's doing their job at this point like your body is full of a whole bunch of like helper muscles like it's it's if you worked with everybody who was way willing to go out of their way and stop doing what they were supposed to do and help you because you oh well i'm i'm busier i i can't quite get all of my tasks accomplished could you help me with that and all of the people at work always say yes. These are like the muscles in your body. Except now they can't really do the job they're supposed to do. So then they're asking for help. And then you just end up with this giant mess of way too many muscles doing jobs that they're not actually designed to do because they all try and help out their neighbors. Right. It it creates a giant mess inside the body and creates a challenge for you to try and figure out where the pain initially came from. Like, where was the beginning weakness? Because somewhere in that chain of this tried to help out this one, that tried to help out this one, that tried to help out this one, where did it start? What was the original weakness? And it's hard to to know that sometimes. So you just kind of have to start knocking them down like dominoes and then hopefully you get to the end, you know, is really what you're what you're going for as like a treating physical therapist. Um, um, but I just want to also mention that if we don't have strength and sufficient strength in our glute max, if our glute max is not doing its job, because that's really what we're talking about here, um, not only can it lead to issues in the lower back, like I just talked about, but it can also it also increases the demand on the hamstrings um, because the hamstrings are kind of your secondary hip extensor. Your main hip extensor is the glute max. The hamstrings are your secondary. So if the main guy's not doing its job, it's like asking the secondary guy to come in and do its job, which isn't as efficient as the primary muscle guy, right? To, right it's it's fine at its job. But it's fine. It, it's not... It's not supposed to take the lead role. And mm-hmm. certainly not supposed to take the lead role for a long period of time. Yeah. I, I, I was about re- to say like president and vice president, but I don't think that's a good thing to get into right now. No. <laughs> no, none of that. None of that. All right. 
Um, but I have a personal example of this one, and we may have plenty of people listening. If you've done particularly long races and you've been out there for hours upon hours of running, at some point, even no matter how strong the glute is, it's going to start getting tired and your hamstrings are going to step up and say, don't worry, I've got this. We will keep running. And then a couple miles later, your hamstrings will say, I did not have this. I thought there were <laughs> the finish line was sooner. And somewhere in the like early 20s of a couple of marathons I've run, I got hamstrings screaming at me because they were trying to overcompensate for the glutes that are tired of also running for so many miles and eventually it just kind of gets to a point where it's just like okay something still needs to be able to kick my leg out behind because I've got miles to get to the finish line but if you've made it to the finish line of like a longer race and you're like I have never had hamstrings this sore before it's because your glutes got tired and ultimately the hamstring had to take over the task of kicking your foot back behind you and so that's why I in shorter races, I don't get this problem, but in the really longer races, hamstrings are killing me at the end of them all. Right. And a lot of times that happens because the glute max weakens and kind of like peters out before it needs to. And then, so the hamstrings are actually activating before they should be, right? And they're doing more work than they should. Like the glute max has, has it for a while, right? It's doing a good job for a while. And then as it starts to get tired out and those hamstrings start to, to fire more um, without the support of the glute max, and then they're doing more of the, the work, then like you said, it just kind of leads to more pain and a lot of soreness afterwards. Too. A lot of soreness afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's the glute max, the hip extension, super important. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about the hip flexors briefly because hip flexors usually, um, weakness in the hip flexors is not usually a, an area of focus when we look at, um, strength and stability because the hip flexors usually have enough strength. Um, it's usually tightness in the hip flexors that are, that's the, the main issue. Right. So we'll come back and hit these guys in a little more uh, in our next session when we start talking about mobility. But mm-hmm. what is it that the hip flexor actually does? So your glute medius helps you kick your legs straight out to the side. Your glute maximus helps you click your legs straight back behind you. What does the hip flexor do? It brings your leg forward. It helps bring like your leg up forward. And, up and forward. Like marching. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it brings your femur, like your thigh bone forward and then like your knee up. But isn't most of your leg coming back forward just a like a coiled spring response inside it's, of a running gait? Hopefully, right? Like <laughs> hopefully we've got kind of like this beautiful dance of muscles of like, you know, this muscle fires and then we um, kind of stretch the other, the opposing muscle and then it kind of recoils and it's like this beautiful dance, right? And if you're not if you don't have that, then it is a lot of times being overused. Then the hip flexors actually really have to fire to help drag the foot back forward because mm-hmm. you're not getting the recoil that right. you you tend to, that you should ideally have. Right. It should be this nice flow of your leg kicks back behind you and then it gets the recoil and fires back forward. Right. Or if you have calf or Achilles issues and you're not getting a good getting a good push off either, Uh, then your hip flexors have to do more to actually clear your foot from the ground. They have uh, to like lift your leg up. They have to lift the leg Mm because the calves aren't doing it for you. Or if you don't bend your knees enough also, right? So that, that then goes back, the shuffle gate. So that then goes to the ham, back to the hamstrings. So, right. This, so, cause it's the, the hamstrings job to bend your knee. Yes. 
Um, so if you're not getting enough knee bend, then your hip flexors have to kick in to actually clear your foot from the ground and bring your leg forward. Right, because as you run down the road, your body will figure out some way for you to not trip. Mm -hmm. So if your hamstrings don't bend your foot enough, then your hip flexors come in and just lift lift in front of you so they're going to bend it essentially up and in front of you rather than kick it back behind you right so, some way your knee has to get bent right so often the hip flexors are overactive um, and they are over tight because of our sedentary lifestyle so that leads to the that those limitations in our gait like we were talking about those shorter steps not actually kicking through not actually bending your knee all the way which can lead to more problems and pain and the the running with your yourself kind of slightly bent forward in your butt stuck out behind you so that you can almost maintain the like I'm not actually sitting in a chair but I kind of look like I'm sitting in a chair (laughs) super uncomfortable super uncomfortable so that's hip stability that's that's the general overview of hip stability I think with with some decent details in there so hopefully everybody understands that now you said iliopsoas in the middle of it we got good detail all all sorts of fun Um, next we're going to talk about hip mobility so like I said it's a ball and socket joint And the ball should roll and glide very smoothly in the socket. And again, we have that joint capsule that kind of deepens the socket. So if the capsule is tight, that can lead to limitations in hip motion. Now, often this is, um, this can be like genetic, like people can have just capsular tightness or on the other hand, capsular laxity, where um, like we had one, runner maybe more there's one right in my head um, on our cross-country team a while back who could literally just pop her hip in and out of its joint oh god yes i remember that that. because she just naturally had a lack laxity in the hip capsule and her hip was rotated forward more than it was supposed to be so there's like antiversion and retroversion like and that's all kind of how the body is anatomically formed what are you laughing at we're doing hip swings and the kid's swinging and she's like, coach should my leg be doing this no stop doing hip swings don't don't, don't do that <laughs> you don't need any more hip put, mobility put, put your hip back in put your hip back but she could she could just like kind of tilt her her hips out to the side and just pop her hip out of the socket and then put it right back in i'm like that is not good please stop doing that you should not do that right so if if that is you like if you have a lot of excess movement you should not be doing any mobility exercises okay you really need to focus a lot on stability like those strengthening exercises to try to strengthen and stabilize that joint you don't need to focus on the mobility as much Right, because some people are just hypermobile. Like if you can take your fingers and like bend them all the way back to touch your forearm or bend your thumb down to touch your forearm, you might have just natural laxity in your joint. So if that is you, please be careful when it comes to mobilizations and mobility exercises because you don't want to over-mobilize and create more laxity in the joints. Yeah, no, you don't. It's it's the idea of... Uh... Like a, an overstretch rubber band. You're not going to get good return off of that. You need right. you need enough tightness. Right. So capsular tightness. So we're talking about the actual hip capsule itself. That should be handled by a professional. Okay. So I'm going to recommend a PT, a physical therapist, because that's what I am. And these are the things that we are trained in. So a physical therapist is, is very well equipped to help address capsular tightness. Um, there are some self-mobilizations that you can do that I'm definitely not going to address today. Um, but I would say if, if you know that it's capsular tightness, go see a PT. Um, it's going to be hard for you to know that just on your own though. Like, so it's one of those things where if you try to 
stretch and, and mobilize the muscles and those kinds of things and you're not getting anywhere or if you feel like there's like almost like a block in your hip like when you're trying to do one motion or another go get that assessed okay because you shouldn't feel like there's like a hard block in any direction of the hip joint that's a good way of putting it yeah if, if there's something that's really stopping you it doesn't feel like well i just can't reach over and touch my toes but it's like well i can get to here and then it feels like i've hit a brick wall right there should not be a brick wall yeah. in your hips yeah go see somebody okay but when muscles are tight okay so the muscles around the hip joint, that leads to restrictions in the amount of movement that's available for the joint. So that movement should be there, right? But the muscles are just so tight that it hurts for you to go too far in one direction because you're overstretching the muscles that are tight on the opposite side. Right, which then, because it hurts for you to do it, your body will stop you from doing it. It'll change your running form and it'll change how the different muscles activate and it literally will just overcompensate to adjust to your tightness like you're if you tell your body hey we're gonna go run today and your body says all right great but these things are really really these particular muscles are very tight it's gonna say fine we can go run it's just gonna adjust your form on the fly Right. And so when the body can't go through its normal cycle, it has to adapt. And that can lead to the variations in form that can change the muscle activation and activity during running, which like we were talking about with the underactive glutes. And then that can lead when you when your gait is slightly off, when your running form is slightly off, then you're putting the forces and the pressure in different areas that aren't used to it and that might not be strong enough to withstand that pressure. And that then can lead to pain and injury and breakdown. Right. I think I was just talking to um, one of our athletes today about this. And she was talking about how when she went out for a run, she was literally, as she ran, was just sort of playing with her own form. Like if I land and I kind of point my toe slightly to the outside, how does that feel? What about if I point it slightly to the inside? What if I, if I like stand extra tall? What if I lean forward a little bit? And she was finding ways that like hurt and helped because she's having a little bit of soreness inside of her, her, um, quads and it's due to issues going on up in the hip joint itself and so she was just out there playing like yeah the body's going to compensate and naturally find the most comfortable but she was running by herself so it was it it amused me because she was literally experimenting with what the body was naturally going to do because it was going to find the most pain-free way of running I love that like that makes me so happy that she was doing that and I think that that's really powerful that we should all kind of experiment with our bodies and see like where we are on any given day I think that's great so really quickly, let's just talk a little bit about the difference between mobility and flexibility since you mentioned it earlier in the episode. I wasn't going to go into it too much today. No, I don't um, want to go into it too much, but right. a lot of people are just like, okay, I got it, mobility. I just need to be flexible, and that's not exactly what it means. Right, so flexibility means that you have the appropriate length of the muscle to do whatever action or go through the appropriate range of motion. Mobility is the appropriate range of motion, okay? So mobility talks a lot about the joints. Um, mobility can also mean tissue. So it's like the muscles and the other tissues like the fascia and the other connective tissues that we have in the body, they kind of slide and glide along each other too. And when they're gunked up in there, then the tissues aren't mobile. Okay. And that doesn't have anything to do with flexibility. That talks, we're talking more about mobility. So when we talk about mobility in general, um, either joints or tissues, it's really the way that the 
tissues or joints are rolling, sliding, and gliding along each other. Flexibility is talking more about muscle length itself. Right. Perfect. Okay. So a lot of times, just to touch on this right, right, real quickly, most runners, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of runners think they need to stretch and think they need to improve their flexibility when in fact they don't. They, they, their muscles are long enough to do whatever the motion is. It's just that they need to maybe improve their mobility. And then I'm sure they probably have to improve stability as well yes most runners could probably improve their themselves by working on their stability the problem is that when you first get into running you think back to like if you got into it from a different sport if you got into it with a coach who's been coaching for decades upon decades before you went out for a run you put your foot up onto a curb so you could stretch your calves Mm -hmm. and you bend over and touch your toes and you pulled your foot back behind you so that you could stretch your quads and that's that was your stretching routine right like that was your go-to and mobility is becoming more and more um kind of known throughout the running community that this is a, a much more important thing and I, I we need to focus on all of it some people just really enjoy stretching their calves or stretching their hamstrings or whatever it is and for the most part it's not causing issues mm-hmm. and so great if you would like to do that because it it, it feels good for you great then continue to do it just make sure that you add in the mobility when that's what you need right and all of those exercises that you just mentioned can be used as mobility exercises too like if you don't try to hold them for like a very extended period of time and you're just kind of moving into that position and then out of that position in like a a fluid dynamic way that's a mobility exercise okay and and we're going to talk about that now so what can we do about all of these things right we know that we need to improve our stability we know that we should Uh, address our mobility so what do we need to do here so first we're going to talk about strengthening the hip excellent it's my favorite how to strengthen the hip Mm -hmm. i was just working on this today in class had the the exercise band rocking some some strengthening exercises nice the, the hips are they're fine but you can always make them a little bit, you know, better. Right. And as you want to run longer distances or faster distances, you need to make sure that those hips are stronger and that they can help to continue to support you and stabilize you in those longer distances. Like you're training for a 31 mile race, you're training for your first ultra marathon you've never put your body through that before so those muscles have no idea what they need to do yet and so i'm not sure my mind knows what it's supposed to do (laughs) you'll get there but it's one of those things that you need to make them even stronger so that you can hopefully be totally ready for the forces that you're about to put on your body so let's talk about those stabilizers first so we're talking about gluteus medius which is the main motions are the hip abduction and external rotation so There's a lot of exercises that you can do that will hit gluteus medius. My favorites um, and some of the ones that are in the research as having the highest level of muscle activation and muscle recruitment, the most um, like muscle fibers that are recruited during that exercise. I love the way that we can even do this research now of hooking up electrodes and like just it's phenomenal the way that the research can be done. Right. So some of the exercises you want to focus on for gluteus medius are side plank, clamshells, sideline hip abduction, which means like laying on your side and and kicking your leg up in the air, Um, sidestepping with the band like Kevin was talking about, any sort of single leg activity where you're just balancing on one leg is fantastic because like we said, running is just jumping from one leg to another and you need to have that 
glutamine fire so that it stabilizes the pelvis when you're all of your weight is on one side. Um, standing band hip exercises. So like if you have a band around your ankles and you kick your leg out to the side, that's a great one. Um, and then the fire hydrant exercise, which is when you're on your hands and knees and you kind of kick your leg out to the side. Right. Yes. Like, hands, like imagine a dog on a fire hydrant. Yes, that's what you're, that's, that's what you're going that's for. The aim. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything where you're really just moving in the side direction because that's glute medius. It's all the stuff where you are swinging your leg out to the outside. It's the abduction. Motion. Right. And it's important to strengthen it that way, but it's also important to strengthen it through the single leg activity because that's how it's actually used during running. So you can strengthen it by doing those kicking out and rotating the hip and those kinds of things. But you also want to strengthen it functionally in the way that it's going to work while you're running, which is the single leg exercises. Okay, sounds good. That's your glute medius. There's also great exercises for your glute max, which is because it's the muscle that essentially is kind of bringing your leg back behind you. That's the kind of exercises that we're working with. So instead of putting the band around your leg and kicking out to the side, one of the first ones that I go to is standing with the band around your leg and kicking back behind you, mm-hmm. the, the banded hip extensions. Which the, the best things about these ones too are that you are actually strengthening the gluteus medius on the opposite side, right? Because as you kick back with one leg, now all of a sudden all your weight is on the other side. So you are just by default also strengthening the gluteus medius on the opposite side because it becomes a single leg activity. Yes, to that level, you have to be a little careful on this. If your glute medius is really, really weak, you're going to want to hold on to something in order to start working the glute maximus Mm -hmm. because it's you're firing, like you just said, the glute med on the opposite side. So you don't need like a death grip on a, on the door, like you're going to fall over, you, but you want to use it to just sort of help your stability. Just like a gentle hand on like the back of a chair, on a wall, on a door frame or something like that, mm-hmm. so that it it can help you just in case the glute med is not firing enough, is not strong enough that it's keeping you upright. Right. And you also want to make sure that you're not arching your lower back when you do these exercises Ooh, as well. Good point. Okay. So you want to make sure that you like pull your belly button in and, and squeeze your stomach muscles to help keep your spine stable so that you're not arching your back and just trying to, then you're just working your lower back muscles, which is the opposite of what you want to be doing right now. Okay, so standing band hip extension, prone hip extension, which means lying on your stomach and just lifting your leg up with the knee straight, bridges where you're lying on your back and you're lifting your hips up in the air, single leg bridges, um, sit to stand, single leg sit to stand, single leg squats, regular squats, step ups, squat jumps, plyometrics, all these things are really good for strengthening the gluteus maximus. Yeah, I mean, it's... Lots of stuff related to the squats. Right. Anything that you're like, how to make my butt look better? You type that into YouTube. This yeah. is gonna. It's coming up with. <laughs> we just do squats for the next thirty minutes. Right These. That's a lot of the answer on the, this one. I mean, that, that, that those do help. And those of you that are part of our real life runners training team, you don't have to figure all this out. We have our real life runners strength academy for you in your members area that gives you videos of all of these exercises that give you um, the strength circuits, the core circuits, the hip strengthening exercises. All of that's for you in inside the academy. And if you want more information about that, you can go to realliferunners.com forward slash team. Okay. So those are the big ones, stabilizers and extensors. Now let's talk about mobilizing the hip. Right. Because mobilizing is just as important as strengthening. Like you can't just strengthen. Everything's just going to get really, really tight, which is good to a point, but you want to make sure that you're still getting the full range of motion. Mm -hmm. So how do we go about mobilizing the area? 
Um, so there's some key stretches involved in this guy. One of depends on on your personal feelings towards it. It's it's a great stretch. Some people find it a great stretch because it hurts so good. It is the pigeon stretch. I love it. I know it's a great one. Um, runner's lunge is my favorite on this one. Mm-hmm. High lunge, um, which is kind of related, very similar to that one. It's, it's really helping to open up the hips. The figure four stretch, hurdler stretch is brutal for me because I have particularly tight. I'm not even sure what I'm what it is that is super tight on that one, but you told me that I could bend my one leg the other day, yeah. and I'm like, oh, sweet. I take all the pressure off my hamstring, and I can actually get the stretch out yeah. of a hurdler stretch, which mm-hmm. is nice. Um, butterfly stretch was like a... I think that one goes onto the the classic list of stretches that goes right with like bend over and touch your toes, butterfly stretch that that's in yeah. there. And that can help open up the groin, but like a lot of people do have tightness in their groin muscles because of the weakness in the glute med and the hip abductors. So those muscles are like the opposite action, so they tighten tend to tighten up to try to stabilize. Right. And then what I really enjoy and I like doing this one after a lot of my runs is hip swings. Yes, hip swings are awesome where you're, you kind of stabilize yourself with something. I, I do them uh, in the driveway. So I just hold onto the back of my car and swing my foot forward and backwards in a mm-hmm. nice, nice stable range of motion and then rotate 90 degrees and swing out to the side and across my body. Yeah. You know, so nice swings with the left leg, nice and in control. Don't try and just build up this massive momentum to get your leg to swing so far out or so far back behind you. That's not the goal. Just in control mm-hmm. and just trying to help that that range of motion. Yeah, exactly. So in general, we want you guys to start incorporating this into your daily life, into your daily routine, right? Because if you listen to this episode, you could kind of get a little overwhelmed, right? Like, holy moly, that's a lot of information. I'm out of my run right now. I'm going to have to go back home and take some notes. And we suggest that you do that, okay? Because we gave you guys so much good information in this episode that will really, really help you if you actually put it into practice. It's not going to do you any good if you just listen to this and don't make any changes, okay? So if you're, especially if you're having pain, especially if you've ever found yourself in any sort of injury cycle, you need to work on your hips. It is plain. It is clear. I will say that it is almost 99 to 100% of runners should be focusing on their hips at some point in their weekly routine. Yes, it should definitely become part of your your regular running routine. I won't even say 99%, 100%. Well, it's it's certainly not going to hurt anybody. 100% like, of work on work on your hips. It should yeah. be part of your weekly routine right. so that you can maintain that weekly routine and not get caught up and be like, "Well, now I need to take a, a week off because right. this thing acted up again." Stop having that thing act up. Take care of your hips. Take care of your hips, and then that will help to decrease the pain in your lower back. That will help decrease the pain in your knees. That will help just so many things, okay? That makes getting out the door easier because your whole body doesn't hurt. Right, exactly. But we also want, we also understand that you are real life runners and you have busy days and you don't have all the time in the world to do tons of hip strengthening exercises, okay? Number one, that's why I highlighted a lot of really good ones in our last segment there okay if you do side if you just add in side planks and some single leg bridges you're going to be good to go right um it might not be the full picture but you're going to be a lot better off than you would have been without those exercises right but sometimes it's awkward to do those at the office because you don't want to just casually lay down on the floor. Exactly. So there are ways to incorporate some of these things into your life. Exactly. So number one, get up and move. 
more. Okay, so like we said, so many of these issues are because we are so sedentary. So try not to stay seated for long periods of time. Okay, get up and move, either stand up and stretch. Like it doesn't have to be long. You could literally just stand up from your desk and kind of like kick your leg back a couple of times, maybe 10 times on each leg, kick your leg out to the side 10 times. Maybe you just kind of lean back and um, do like a little, a couple back bends. Maybe you, um, you know, bring your knee up to your chest. You just kind of move more. I mean, think about if you've ever been on the plane for a long period of time or a car trip for a long period of time, it's uncomfortable staying in that seat. And yet when you're at work, that's often what you end up doing. And you're like, man, my job is terrible. No, sitting is terrible. Try getting up and moving from time to time and your your day is going to be so much nicer. And so will your hips. Yes. <laughs> so another thing you can do is to stand on one leg more, okay? Like I mentioned earlier, you want it to do single leg activities. Now, people will be like, well, what does that mean? It can mean a lot of different exercises, but you can also do this in your daily life. Like, when you're brushing your teeth. This is one of the things I do. I, I almost always brush my teeth standing on one leg. She does. She really does. Yeah. <laughs> I do it when we're recording the podcast because we stand up when we're recording our podcast to bring more energy and to also just kind of, I stand on one leg, I do some tree poses, like it just all kind of happens. Um, when you're washing dishes, if you're playing games with your kids, like this could be a fun game that you could like create with your kids, right? Like call it the flamingo game of like who can stand on one leg the the longest and then you can add in arm movements like okay now we're going to stand on one leg and we're going to sway our arms overhead now we're going to stand on one leg and we're going to twist like you know chubby checker yes chubby checker right? yes you nailed it yeah um you, you can make it into like a fun game and you can do all those things by yourself if you want to but if you have kids it's even more fun to kind of get them involved because they love that kind of stuff it is it is also fun to play that with a kid in the mirror. Uh-huh. You can also play the games that way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're fun. It's fun when Kevin's high school students walk in on him doing this in class, right? Like in between I, classes. I lock the, the door at all times the door is locked. <laughs> I have definitely done side plank in the middle of my class, but I did make sure that the, the door was locked so there were not students rolling there, in. There you go. Um, just lie on your stomach more, right? Like this, this is what I'm talking about with being in a seated position so much. One thing you can do is stand up to help stretch out your hip flexors. Another thing you can do is just lie on your stomach. And if you feel a lot of pressure in your lower back, you can stick a pillow under your tummy to help support your spine more. But that way you're just stretching those hip flexors more. Again, might be frowned upon at the office, but you know, when you get home and instead of going home and being like, oh man, I'm, I'm exhausted from being at work all day long, instead of sitting, actually go full blown to laying down on the floor. Like you're gonna lay down on the floor and you won't put your head down because that's awkward. Now you're just completely laying on the floor. You almost have to prop yourself up on your elbows. Now you're stretching that whole front area. Like it, without going into it and being like, oh, I'm gonna do some yoga now. You just put yourself in a cobra pose. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful to counteract sitting all day long. Right, and it's helpful for your back too. Like yeah. especially your upper back that are, people tend to have rounded shoulders because of sitting. So there's a lot of goodness and you can just start to try to incorporate this into your daily routine yes all right so that's what we've got for you guys this week there was a lot of information in this episode so please feel free to go back especially if you've got a piece of paper in front of you to take some notes because 
this episode incorporating some of these things can massively improve your running yeah massively improve and improve your running longevity also yeah like improve how fast you are but also improve the, how good you feel and the chance of being a actual lifelong runner yeah for sure all right so guys if you want to get involved in that virtual race like we talked about at the beginning of the episode you can head over to realliferunners.com forward slash race and if you want a customized training plan to help you achieve that race goal, please think about joining our Real Life Runners training team. It is an awesome group of people with a couple of pretty cool coaches, and we will help to customize a plan for you to get you towards your goals, okay? That is going to include your running days, it includes your mobility work, it includes your strength training, All of it is planned out. It's completely a no-brainer. All you have to do is follow what is on your schedule that day. We have an app that you can download so that your daily workouts are delivered right to your phone, right to, they're, they're actually even emailed to you every single day. So it's, you don't have to think about anything. It's all built into your plan. Again, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Kevin is an amazing coach and an amazing runner. We have created really amazing training plans that are taking runners to places that they've never even dreamed. And we keep making more training plans to help out more and more people. So Mm -hmm. if you are interested, reach out and and let us know. We have a a site to send them to. Realliferunners.com forward slash team. There you go. Okay. So again, the race is realliferunners.com forward slash race. And if you just go to realliferunners.com, there's links to all of it right there. You can find it all there. You can find it all on the website. Okay. But if you want to sign up for that race, it's only 10 bucks. um, And there is that discount code I run my life and then if you want to sign up for our team so that you can actually get a customized plan to help you achieve that goal get in, get in contact with us you know we'd love to help you reach your training goals um, especially when it, we don't have the races on the calendar right now we need something to kind of keep moving us forward and becoming a part of the real life runners team is a great way to do that so as always guys thank you so much for joining us and spending this time with us today This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 167. Now get out there and run your life.